We're just about to enter into a sermon series over the summer. It's called Knowing God. And what we want to do over the summer is really we want to pursue knowing God more, what it means to know God, to have a relationship with him, to grow with him, and to pursue his purpose for our lives and his presence in our lives and with us. The Bible talks about a God who is one God in three persons, a father, the son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. And we want to take time over these next couple of months and just look at each of those persons of the Trinity to find out a little bit more about them, who they are, how they relate to each other, how they relate to us, and how they relate to our world. And so we're going to begin this morning by looking at the first person of the Trinity who the Bible refers to, especially in the New Testament, as Father, our Father in heaven. In the Old Testament, if you look through the Old Testament, you won't find many references to God as Father at all. In fact, there's only about 15 of them in the entire Old Testament. And they're not even direct, uh, always direct um, references to God as Father. It talks about God being the Father of Israel, God being the Father of the patriarchs, different people in the Bible. Um, and so if you just took it by the Old Testament alone, we probably wouldn't put a lot of emphasis on teaching about God being a father. But all of that changed when Jesus came to earth. Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, came to earth, born in Bethlehem to Mary and Joseph. And he, right from the beginning of him talking on earth, he changed the way we refer to God in heaven. And he started to talk about God as Father, not just once or twice, but all the time. Fifty-six times in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, he talks about God as his Father. And in the book of John, 100 times, he refers to God as his Father. And he changed the dialogue. People have gone back and looked through writings of rabbis and people from before the Jesus' time, and nobody talked about God as Father. Jesus changed the whole dialogue of the way that we refer to God and relate to God. God, as he explained to us that God was his father. And we're going to look at one of those sayings this morning. We're going to speak, take a, a few Sundays to look at God as father, so we're not going to cover all of the ground this morning. I just want to say a couple of things to us, and we're going to look at a verse that comes right at the end of John's gospel. If you've got a Bible, you can turn with me to John chapter 20. If you don't have a Bible, it's going to be on the screen behind you. John chapter 20, we're just going to read a couple of verses in John chapter 20. This is Jesus after he's been raised from the dead. He died on a cross. He rose again three days later. The first person that he met was a lady called Mary Magdalene. And he met Mary. Mary thought he was the gardener. She was looking for him because they couldn't find the body in the tomb. And when Mary realized it was Jesus, she clung to him. She was so amazed and excited that Jesus had risen from the dead. And this is what Jesus said to her in verse 17. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers, meaning all the folks that were following him, that were waiting for him in Jerusalem, and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for this day in a year when we celebrate fatherhood. You're the greatest father of them all. And we want to celebrate you today. Well, we already have 
Lord, right from the beginning of this service in so many different ways. We want to celebrate who you are. And Holy Spirit, we ask you right now that you would come and you would take these words of Scripture and you would open them to us. And Lord, you'd help us to see you maybe like we've never seen you before. We'd see the Father like we've never seen him before. And Lord, you'd awaken in us a greater desire to know him, to be with him, and to have a wonderful relationship with him that satisfies the deepest desires of our heart. We ask you to help us with that this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. When we want to look at this idea of God as being Father, many of us come to that with our own understanding of what a father looks like. If you've been fortunate enough, like me, to have a really good father, then you've got lots of happy memories of that. Some of you, the memories aren't so happy. Some of us, didn't have a father at all in our lives, as Krista testified earlier on in the service. And so our view of fatherhood can either be, I don't have a view of fatherhood at all, or it's a distorted view of fatherhood, or maybe it's something of a view of fatherhood, because I had a good father, but even good fathers make mistakes. Even good fathers hurt us. Good fathers do things to us that wound us in different ways during our lives. That's part of life. And if we take how we see fatherhood and we put that on God, we maybe misunderstand some of what Jesus is saying when he calls God his father. And so I think it's really helpful for us to be able to understand what Jesus actually meant. Because he said it in a particular culture at a particular time when fatherhood meant some things. Some of the things that fatherhood meant when Jesus talked about God being his father, it doesn't mean the same in our culture now. We've redefined some of what fatherhood looks like. In fact, you don't have to go very far on the internet to read people out there who are saying, we don't need fatherhood at all. It's okay if you have a guy in your life, if he's going to be helpful, but you can do without it. And your kids can do without it. That's not what the research is saying. The research is saying from all sorts of different angles that fatherhood is totally necessary. Girls have got twice the chance of having a teen pregnancy if they don't have a father in their lives. Kids have got a way bigger chance of going off the rails and into all sorts of lifestyles that are not helpful if they don't have a father in their lives. That is non-church, non-Christian research. But there's a lot of other people out there that are saying the opposite. We don't need fatherhood. We don't need what the Bible teaches that fatherhood is all about. And so it's helpful for us to go back to what the Bible says and say, okay, who is God as our father and how do we relate to him in a way that really brings us life? So let's think about what it meant for Jesus to call God his father in his culture. And again, there's lots of things we can talk about. We can talk about God as provider. We can talk about God as protector. Let's come out in some of the ways that people have been talking already this morning. Some of the, pro- the promises that the Bible promises that the kids were laying hold of in the uh, preteen passage. But we're just going to talk about two this morning that were very important for Jesus. And they help us to understand what it meant for Jesus to call God Father. And then we understand what the Bible means when it talks about a father and how we can also father and be in his image and have a relationship with God as our father. The first thing we're going to look at is this. In their culture, when they were in their area that they were in and part of the area that they were in, It was very clear that the father was the leader in the home. That's the way it was. 
They believed that under God, the father had authority in the home. And if that authority was working properly, as it should be, that's the husband and wife working together to come into unity together and bringing that grace into the home. But the buck stopped with the father. That's not a very common thought today that a lot of people are very happy with. But in Jesus' day, father meant authority. And when Jesus talked about his own father in heaven, it became very clear that Jesus meant that as well in how he was referring to his father. Let me read you some of the verses that Jesus said about his father. Some of these are out of John's gospel. He says this, my food is to do the will of him who sent me, meaning his father, and to accomplish his work. John 4.34, the son can do nothing of his own accord but only what he sees the Father doing, John 5, 19. I can do nothing on my own. I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me, John 5, 30. Even clearer, I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me, John 8, 28. John 12, 49 to 50. I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. John fourteen twenty eight. I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. John fourteen thirty one. I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. John fifteen ten. I have kept my Father's commandments. And abide in his love. It's very clear when we listen to the way that Jesus talks about his father in heaven. That he meant by that. One of the things he meant by that was that his father in heaven had authority over his life. And he did what his father in heaven told him to do. At the end of his life, Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew 28. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Which means that God the Father was able to give his authority to whoever he wanted to give it to. And he gave it to Jesus. So that Jesus had all authority in heaven and on earth. And if we read Paul's writings in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 28, it's very clear that Jesus is saying when he's done all things, when he's gathered things, everything together in heaven and earth unto himself in Jesus Christ, he's going to give it back to his Father. And make it subject to his father again, even as he is subjected to his father. That's not a sound that's very popular in our day. But it's biblical. It's the God in heaven, our father in heaven. And if we back off the truths of the gospel and the truths of the Bible, we will pay a price for it. And our children will pay a price for it that we don't want them to be paying. And our nation will pay a price for it. Our nation is paying a price for it. God is a father in heaven who has authority. And if you think about it, an author, if you author a book, you have authority over what you've written. The author has authority because he's authored it, right? Unless you sell your rights to somebody else. God has authority over everything that he has made because he authored it all. He's the author of everything. 
Everything that ever happened, everything that ever existed, everything that's going to exist has existed because it started in the heart of a father in heaven. He authored everything. He authored you. He authored me. He is a father who is our father in heaven. And Jesus was very clear that for him, calling God father meant he has authority over my life. He has a place to speak to me and tell me what to do. He has a purpose for me. And my purpose in life is to do what my father is telling me to do. It's not to try and make it up myself. It's not to try and find my own way through my own life. You guys have just gone through the preteen passage. The best thing you can do is settle the issue that your father in heaven has authority over your life and you put your life under his hands because like Jesus, you believe that his commandment is good and his commandment is loving and his commandment will bring life to you. And as you put your life under his hands and say, yes, you are my father in heaven and I am going to obey your words, you line up your life with his, you've just set your life up to succeed. In him, you've set your life up to be blessed. You've set your life up to have the love and the power and the release of God in you and through you through the days of your life on this earth. Jesus believed in the authority of the Father in heaven. Now, for many of us, when we hear that, that sets off all sorts of alarm bells. Because for many of us, we've seen authority being misused. We've seen it being mishandled in so many different ways. It's all over the internet, isn't it? People being found out for how they've abused authority in so many, many different ways. It shouldn't surprise us because we're sinful and we're broken. And when we try and do things in our own strengths, we're going to get it wrong and we're going to hurt people. We're going to do things that we oughtn't to do. But that does not mean that God in his authority acts abusively at all. It does not mean that God in his authority acts in a way that is wrong, unrighteous. And so I'm going to bring you to the second part of what I want to talk about this morning. Because it's the second half of who God is. He has authority. But we also want to talk about the God who is a father in heaven who has intimacy. Intimacy. He wants to be intimately related with us. He wants to be close with us. He wants to be near with us. And Jesus didn't just talk about a God who wanted to be intimate. He he made an example of how he lived and how he talked to his father that helps us to understand how we can live and talk with, with our father in heaven too. Jesus had tremendous intimacy with his father in heaven. We know that by the words that he used. The Greek New Testament, the New Testament was written in Greek which meant that all the things that Jesus said were translated from the language that he spoke them in, which was Aramaic. Aramaic is a, um, it's a kind of um, dialect of Hebrew. And he spoke Aramaic in his normal life. But the words that we have written down from Jesus were translated into Greek and then translated from Greek into English or whatever language you read your Bible in. So sometimes we miss what Jesus was really saying because we get the Greek and we don't get the fullness of the Aramaic. But there's one moment in Jesus' life, just one moment, when we get a window at a greater depth into the intimacy with which Jesus related to his Father in heaven. 
And in that one moment, a gospel writer, instead of writing it in the Greek, actually gives us the Aramaic word that Jesus uses to talk about his Father in heaven. And Chris started us off with it this morning. Does anybody know when it happened, when Jesus spoke to his Father with this word? Anybody know? It was after, it was before the cross, just before the cross. It was at a crucial moment in Jesus' life. I'm going to take you to the Garden of Gethsemane. This is the night before he's crucified. He's going to carry the sins of the world on his shoulders. He's going to suffer in the most horrific way. Because of our sin, your sin, my sin. He's going to take it all onto a cross. He's going to go through whipping and beating and scourging and mocking. He's going to go through 24 hours of the greatest pain that anybody has ever seen. Because it's not just his pain. It's my pain, it's your pain, it's all of our pain laid upon him. And here he is the night before the cross. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he takes his friends with him. He asks them to pray, but they go to sleep. He goes to one corner of the garden. And the Bible tells us that he falls down on the ground in the garden. And he cries out to God in heaven. And in Mark, in chapter 14, it tells us the words that he cries out. And he cries out, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. That word Abba in the Aramaic comes from the Hebrew word for Father, which is Ab. Ab is the Hebrew word. But in the Aramaic, they put a word together which they said sounded most like the sound of a baby or a child when they first start to speak. Because they wanted them to be able to speak to the Father, just like Mama wanted them to be able to speak to the Father as well. And so the word they used was Abba. Abba, 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 Abba. First cry of a little baby coming out, looking at at dad. What are they going to teach him? Abba, Abba. Say Abba. You can say the smile on the faces of the little babies when they're well on the on the mothers and the and the fathers when the little child starts to say that word for the first time. We don't have an equivalent really in in English. Dada, maybe something like that. But the word was used not just when they were children. It was used even when they were adults. If they wanted to say something to their father which, which uh, expressed the closeness and the nearness and the intimacy of their relationship, they would carry on using that same word that they used even since they were a little baby. Abba. 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 And here's Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane in the most painful moment of his life. And remember who this is. This is the word of God who spoke planets into into space, stars into space. He said, let there be light. He said, let there be stars. Let there be a Milky Way. 200 to 400 billion stars explode into light at his very words. He created it all and he sustains it all by his powerful word. This is no ordinary human being. This is Jesus Christ, the son of God, the second person of the Trinity. Who has authority of his own and power of his own and grace of his own. But here he is right at the end of all that he has in terms of his physical, his emotional and uh, his, his mental capacity. He, he's so uh, burdened by the situation that he's, he's sweating drops of blood. And as he's crying out to get help, the words that come out of his mouth, Abba, 
आपा आपा Three times he goes back and he throws himself on the floor again and he comes back with the same explanation Abba 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 Father And we notice if we follow on what he's saying that that he's wrestling with the first thing we've talked about he's wrestling with this issue of the authority of God he's saying Lord if there's any other way that this this cup can be taken from me please take it from me Nevertheless let your will be done Jesus the son of God wrestled with the issue of the authority of God in his life he had to wrestle his way into a yes it didn't just happen for him because he's made like we're made we have to wrestle our way into a yes it doesn't just happen to us either and sometimes it takes the really tough times it takes the really hard times it takes the times when everything's collapsing around us and we're alone in the garden and we got nowhere else to go and all we can get out of our mouth is abba 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 But we have a father in heaven who listens when we pray. We have a father in heaven who listens when we cry out to him. He's near to all who cry out to him the psalmist says to all who call upon him in truth. And Jesus the son of God when he gets those words out to his father in heaven and his father doesn't deliver him from the journey he's going through. The father doesn't rescue him from it because if he'd rescued Jesus from that journey you and I wouldn't be sitting here today. So he's not going to rescue him. But neither is he a distant father. Oh that's something you need to go through your own by, by yourself I'm going to stand on the side here and cheer you on and clap you on. No. When Jesus cried out Abba Father and that word rang through the the portals and the gates and the corridors of heaven God the father in heaven pointed to an angel an angel of his presence and said you go you take my presence and be with my son and he came down and he was with Jesus in the garden because when we call upon the name of the lord the presence of the lord is always with us when we call upon the name of our father in heaven the presence of god always comes to us because he's with us he loves us he's a father who wants intimate relationship with us Is God a God of father who has authority? Yes, he has authority over all things. But he's a good father. He's a loving father. He loves to be where his children are and he loves to come close to us. And that same spirit that Jesus had that cried out Abba Father. This is the miracle of the cross and the resurrection. You see God is all our father. Whether we want to admit it or not. I don't have a god who's a father in heaven. No, I'm sorry you do. Cuz you would not be here unless God authored you. You were in his heart from before the foundation of the earth. You have a father in heaven even if you don't believe God exists, you have a father in heaven. But all of us are prodigals. Every one of God's children went astray. Right? All of us turned to our own way it says in Romans. and by turning to our own way we rejected the spirit of sonship we rejected the spirit of sonship that the lord wanted to be on us to keep us in this close and intimate relationship with our father we chose the spirit of this age and of our self-centeredness and of our own way and our independence and wanted to rule our own life and do it our own do things our own way and, and make our own path for us we chose that spirit and that's a spirit that leads you only one way it takes you to death It does not take you to life. It takes you away from God not to him. 
And it puts a gulf between us and him that cannot be passed by us in our own strength. And so God sent his own son in the likeness of human flesh that he would come to that place in the garden and he would come and all the pressures of this world and all the sins of this world are gathering around him and he's going to carry them all to the cross and he's wrestling with God like we all wrestle with God. God, I know you're my Abba, but the, the pathway you've got for me just looks like a tough pathway. Father, would you help me? Is there any other way? But if there's no other way, Lord, let your will be done. And in that moment, he sealed the fate of millions of people who were going to choose him for life. Jesus Christ went to that cross. And when he went to that cross, he took your prodigal spirit. He took my prodigal spirit. He took my sins. He took my rebellion. He took my self-centeredness. He took all my pains and all my sorrows. And he nailed them to that cross. And he hung there for you and me. He took my punishment. He took your punishment. He took away the great divide between us. And then he rose again from the dead. And the first person he meets is Mary Magdalene. And he says to Mary Magdalene, I've got a message for you, Mary. You're going to go and be my messenger. I want you to go to my brothers. I want you to go to my followers. And I want you to tell them this. I am going up into heaven to my God and to your God. To my father and to your father. Because he's made a way for us back into this intimate relationship with God that we lost in the garden. Some of you here, you may never have experienced that. You've no idea what it feels like to be into an intimate relationship with your father in heaven. But he wants to have an intimate relationship with you this morning. He sent Jesus to die on a cross, to take away your sins, so that we can be joined together with him as our father in heaven. Our nation needs a revival of godly fatherhood. Our nation needs a revival of God's fatherhood. And we've had it before in different ways. The last time a Canadian team won one of the major sports contests in Canada if we're talking about basketball, baseball, and um, hockey, that we play together with them. The last time we won one of those three uh, games was 1993. Montreal Canadiens in the hockey, the Toronto Blue Jays in the baseball. Many of you probably don't even remember that. 92 was my first year here. I just thought it happened every year, the Canadians beat the Americans. I thought that's just what happened. After that happened in 1993, and I'm not connecting it to that, but just as a place to be able to put your thoughts of a moment of what happened, in 1993, God began to stir some people in Toronto in terms of seeking more of the presence of God, more of the face of their father. And they were praying immediately, initially for healing and for, for deliverance. And so they, they were praying. They gave every morning of their, every, every, every day to the Lord to pray and to seek his face. And, and then they invited up people who they thought had some sort of anointing. They went to a revival in Argentina. They were touched there. And then they invited this guy, Randy Clark, up to do four, um, uh, four messages for them and four sermons in Toronto. There were about 120 people at the time. 
Randy Clark, when he was asked, said, I don't think I've got four messages. But he came anyway. And when he came, the Holy Spirit was poured out upon that people. The next year, over the next year, tens of thousands of people came from all over the globe to Toronto to be blessed by what came to be known as the Father's Blessing or the Toronto's Blessing. Because what was happening was that people were connecting with the Father in a deeper way than they'd ever done it before. Christians, people who'd walked with Jesus for many, many years, as well as new people coming. One of the churches that got touched was a church called Holy Trinity Brompton in London, out of which has come the Alpha Course. That came out of that revival, and the Alpha Course has gone all over the world, and tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people have come to know Jesus because of that Alpha Course. There was one young man, or one man, who went to the uh, Holy Trinity Brompton to find out what was going on. He was an evangelist who'd been in Argentina. When he was in Holy Trinity Brompton, the pastor there, a guy called Sandy Miller, prayed for him. And he got touched by the Holy Spirit. He'd been asked to go and preach in a place in Florida. He went to preach in Florida. And the Holy Spirit was poured out in that place in Florida. Father's Day. Father's Day, 1995. Began the Pensacola Revival. Over 100,000 people got saved in the first year. Saved and rededicated their life to God because there was a release of the fatherhood of God in a new way and people connecting with their father in heaven. We need a release of the fatherhood of God. We need a release of that connecting with God as a father in a whole deeper, in a whole, uh, in a whole new way. For many of us, maybe you feeling like, you know, I, I feel dry. I feel like I, I, yep, I, I, I'm walking through life. I'm going through what I'm doing, but I feel dry. I'm dry in my devotions. I'm, I'm struggling to even make that happen. Some of us might be here this morning and think, I don't even have a relationship with God as far. I don't even know what you're talking about. Some of you might be living in a, in a moment where it's, oh, it's all alive for you and you, you're feeling great in terms of your relationship with God and the flow of life. That's wonderful. But many of us in that place, how do we get back to that place of Lord? And how do we get into a deeper place of touching the presence of the Lord over this summer? Well, for Jesus, knowing his father and who he was, there were two things going on. There was that desire for intimacy. And then there was this wrestling with the authority of God as father. You can't have true intimacy without submitting to his authority. Many of us want it. We want that intimacy with God as Father. We want to be able to have such a closeness with him. And yet there's issues in our lives we refuse to bring and submit to God. Yeah, I know there's this issue I've got to deal with, but, you know, I'll deal with it in the future. But I want to really want to have a good, good relationship with God. Intimacy and authority with God are totally linked. Submission, surrender brings us into sweetness with God. And I believe here in these days, let me say it prophetically to you. The Raptors won last week. It's the first time in 13 years or whatever it was. God's doing something. I was lying in bed. I couldn't sleep last night. Just thinking about God saying, my favor is coming to your nation. I'm turning my favor to your nation. I'm thinking, am I making this up? Am I, am I making this up, Lord? What's going on? I picked up my Bible this morning. I'm just reading through the New Testament. This is what I read. Just was my reading. 
It's the first words I wrote when I woke up this morning as I got out of bed. Working together with him, then we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in a favorable time, favorable time I listened to you. And in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. God wants to move in our nation. And he's looking for a people who are hungry for intimacy with him, for closeness, to draw near to our Father in heaven. He wants to pour his Holy Spirit out. Some of you feel so far away right now. God is right close. He's one Abba away from all of us. Where are you at this morning on this Father's Day? If you're a father, I want to encourage you to carry the authority God gives you in a godly way. Do it with intimacy. Do it with relationship, communication, talking to your kids, spending time with them, getting to know them. What they're about, finding out about them. Because that's how our God in heaven operates. How he wants to be with us. Let's pray this morning. Just turn our heart to the Holy Spirit. I believe God wants to pour out the spirit of sonship upon us this morning. That spirit of sonship isn't about male or female. It's the guys, girls, whoever. It's the same spirit that was in Jesus Christ. The same spirit that cried out, Abba, Father. That's the same spirit. And it draws us. If we're born again of the Spirit of God, we have that Holy Spirit in us. But, but when we receive more, when we receive a, a fresh baptism of that Spirit of Sonship, it puts in us a, a yearning, a, a desire to be with God, a love to be with God. And I believe God wants to pour that out upon us at the beginning of our summer. We will have a dry summer without him. But we can have a very rich summer with him. And he wants us to have that sort of a summer with him as we go into the summer. And this Father's Day, if there are issues in our lives that we need to settle with him, where we need to say, Lord, I have not been walking in submission to you. I've just been trying to do my own thing, my own way, whatever. But Lord, I want to come under your authority because I want the intimacy. I want the life that flows, Lord. I want you to be really the Lord of my life and not just you. you I, I call you that, but actually I go and do my own thing. 